last Sunday, and one of the things we asked was when the story of COVID-19 is told, what story do you want told of you? It is so interesting because we're still in this season. Um, it kind of feels like we're getting to the end of this, which is so kind of exciting for some of us extroverts. Um, but one of the things is, what is the story that's going to be told of us? And we, we were um, challenging everybody to be able to speak your story, how important it is our words are, um, and that our story follows our words. So we talked about that. And then last week we talked about what if. What if we could see possibilities instead of limitations? Uh, we talked about the, the, the candy test that we, we have seen online, which is really interesting. We also know there was people that um, from the Grove that actually did the test with some of their kids. It was awesome to see that. Um, and then we asked that question, what if the bowl in front of you is a blessing and not a curse? Um, and so it was that test. And so it was a great message. We heard from a lot of people. Uh, we also made that challenge is try something new. And I want to give out a shout out to one person, Crystal Hendricks. Uh, she was watching um, this last Wednesday when we were doing an update, our weekly update, Eric and I. And uh, we said, what have you done new? And she said on our comments there that she tried something new. She tried a new recipe. And because of that, she tried some other things. And then not only that, it has transferred to her kids. Her kids are trying new things. They started to ride a new bike. And so those are new things. And it wasn't just to try new things. It was to try to push ourselves into new, new possibilities in our life. And so it was really great to be able to hear some stories. And you know what? It doesn't have to stop. That challenge does not just go away because we're on a new Sunday. We want to push you and encourage you to continue trying trying to look for opportunities to try something new this week. Yeah, and I think the point of that challenge was to us to overcome our uh, fear of failure, mm -hmm. right, of not making it right, because nobody's good the first time we do anything. It takes a while, and the more we try things, the more we experiment with things, the sooner we'll figure out what we're good at and things that we really enjoy. I think uh, what you Crystal, what she mentioned was um, she made meatballs for the first time. She said, huh, who knew it would have been so easy, right? Yeah. And so she would never would have tried and risked failure, right, of not doing it right the first time. Mm -hmm. um, she never would have realized how easy it was. And another thing she said she did, didn't do so good, but that's how you learn, right? We move on. And so maybe the test in front of us, the bowl in front of us, you know, there's, there's blessings in it if we will learn to embrace that and to move forward it mm -hmm. and not be stuck on the wrong side of if, right? So this whole series is really about living on the right side of if. And what if has two sides, right? What if it all goes wrong or... What if I actually did this and actually succeeded? And that was the challenge last week. Let's love that part. Like we, we step out and we um, are not afraid to experiment and try new things, right? Definitely. Our scripture for this series was um, in Galatians 6, 9, NIV. Um, translation says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If we don't give up. Yeah. That's key. We don't give up, right? We keep going. So don't stop doing what's right keep doing it eventually you're gonna have a, a, a harvest of blessings and that's the right side of if and so yeah so today we're gonna go to the next next part of this series um and we're gonna talk about really a, a statement that i think we all need to remove from vocabulary and we'll talk about that in a second but let me tell you about my new thing right so i did a couple different things that, that this this week i tried a new approach with my with with one of my kids um and it worked surprisingly very well and uh, that was a good thing and i also started a new book and so i jumped into a book about relationships uh, this book is written by a couple, uh, Dick and, and Ruth Foth, and uh, they, they've been married for years. They're in their 70s, and so they have a lot of experience in relationships and marriage. And I thought this would be a great book for me. It's really about finding um, you know, depth in relationships in a shallow world, which what we live in right, right now. And so uh, it's, it's challenging me. But they make this statement in, in the book that um, I wanted to share because I think it ties into some of what we're talking about today. Um, and, and he says this, that, um, that they discovered something, right? 
in, in their nearly 150 trips around the sun, that would be their combined uh, years of, of living, right, the two of them, they learned something. They said this, that apart from the great ideas that move us, life revolves around two things, relationships and money. And only one of those makes us rich. So I think sometimes we get so focused on possessions, we get so focused on what we, we can get, that we miss out on the people and the things around us that, are, that we have. And today we're going to talk about comparison. I think in this season, one of the things that's going to rob us from opportunities is always comparing, always looking to others, always wishing if something was different, right? Um, and here, here's the truth. Uh, when, when we say that people are rich in life, right? So if you're at a funeral and they say, man, she was rich in life um, or he was rich in life, they're not talking about money. They're not talking about property or possessions. They're talking about relationships, the people that cared for them, right? When people get up and talk about that person um, and all the stories and all the impact that person had, you know, they're typically measured by what we give, not by what we get. And so when we hear that, it's about us saying, how can we live in such a way, right? And when we're comparing all the time, we actually net, we missed opportunities to really love those around us. In fact, you know, when I think of comparison and having or not having, if you weren't happy without it, there's a good chance you're not going to be happy with it. Yeah. And even if you're happy, it's going to be short-lived because it's not going to fulfill you the way you thought, thought it would, right? And so today we're talking about comparison. Definitely. It's one of those things that I think it's easy to just kind of go into. And so it's a, it's a comparison trap. It's easy to just fall into it because we can easily scroll down. If you're on social media, you can easily just go outside and look at the vehicle that's next to you, any of that, um, or even somebody's life. And so it's easy to just fall into that trap without even knowing that we can get there so easily. And so it's a destiny, it's kind of destination disease. And so I was teasing as we were talking about destination disease. I was like, man, maybe we should put our masks on when we talk about this because it is one of those diseases that is not um, it's not healthy, uh, definitely not healthy, and it's it's highly contagious, it <laughs> right? Is. Yeah, comparison. And so um, it goes into the whole thinking of I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when, and you can fill in the rest, you know, because we've all had those thoughts. I'll be happy when I get a better job, or I'll get happy when I have a better job, a, a better boss, or I make more money, or if I had a different spouse, if um, I'll be happy if I have children, I'll be happy if I get have more money, all of this, you know, there's goes into so much, I'll be happier if I had a business, I'll be happy when I find the right person, and uh and get married one day or whatever that is, you know, so. Yeah, and it turns into this, I'll be happy, right? But here's a, here's a question. What if that when never comes? Or what if that when that you're hoping for, right, um, it looks different than you thought? If you're not happy now, there's a good chance you're not going to be happy then. And, and really the key is not so much the, the arriving at a destination, but it's who you're becoming during that time, right? Because our culture, we celebrate so much of the benefits of wealth and fame and all that. But we don't talk about the sacrifice and we don't talk about the hard work. And in some cases, we don't talk really about the true cost of what that is to people and to their families and all that, right? And so a lot of times people, they have this destination they want to get to, right? Whatever that is, X amount of money they're going to have, whatever amount of cars or size of house. And when they arrive there, what they failed to do is they neglected who they're becoming in that process. Yeah. And we find a lot of people arrive at their destination of mm -hmm. like wealth or whatever, right? But the people that are on the journey with them, end up not liking them because they neglected probably the most important part of that whole thing is the journey of who we're becoming, right? And so comparison will always think about the future. It doesn't think about the immediate. It doesn't think about the now. So it is a trap, mm -hmm. and it steals from us our ability to act now, right? It's like, um, it's like a, what, what do they say, the, the, the tree, you know, when's the best time to plant a really big oak tree? That was like 50 years ago, 100 years ago, yeah. right? Well, when's the second best time? It's like right now, right? Mm -hmm. And comparison doesn't let us do that. Comparison just says, I wish I had a tree. 
I wish I had a tree. If only I had a tree. If only I had fruit. If only, if only, if only. And we don't act on what we can do yeah. in the moment. So it stills from today. It stills from our relationships. It stills from the other person. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our marriage, um, I remember there was a point where there was a big shift um, in, in, in us because, um, you know, growing up, you have all these different messages of what a marriage should be and what the person should look like and how they should, you know, whatever, all those things. And there was this point where um, I remember in our relationship, there was it was easy to compare her to others, right? And there was a point where I just said, you know what? Why am I comparing her to others? Because she's not them. And if I wanted them, I'd be with them, not with her. And I made her the standard for our relationship, right? And so what she has, those that's what I like. And she just become my standard. So now the comparison is not her and others. It's just, it's her. And so um, it helps me, it helped me, yeah. You just learned something. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's, it's true. And, and in my marriage, it, it changed a lot because I went from having to compare, having to think of others, right? If only to saying, no, I have this in front of me and this is what I'm going to celebrate. This is what I'm going to enjoy. And this is going to be my standard. Mm-hmm. And so I just said, when it comes to my wife, um, you know, the legs that I like in women are the legs that she has, right? <laughs> She's the standard for that. And so I don't have to look around and compare because I'm not saying if only I'm saying this is what I have. I'm grateful for it. I'm going to do the best with what God has given me and the best with what's in front of me. And that makes life better, right? Yeah. Would you agree? Definitely. I definitely hear some points there too. Um, I think the other thing I think about is when it comes to I'll be happy when. I think it is easy to live in a culture now where we have this in, instant um, get kind of thing. Everything's just so fast. And I'm always, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, just how um, we forget the sacrifice like Eric was saying. And so I think it's so interesting that it's easy for us to say, I want this house. And um, back in the day when, when my mom and, and your parents were, were growing up, up, it wasn't just a house built just instantly and it was just moving ready. It was built brick by brick by brick by brick. And you see just like these stages as it got to where it's at. And it's easy for me to go and say, well, I want a house just like that. And we think, wait a second, all that sacrifice and all that time, they didn't get it just overnight. It was time, work, effort into it. And so what we desire is we're forgetting all the work and the sacrifice that comes with that or in a marriage. Um, so able to, we were able to be around people that have amazing marriages. Well, sometimes our amazing marriage wasn't just, just, it just didn't just happen. They just happened to find the right people. It was because maybe they've gone through some really tough things that have made them stronger through it all. And so we don't see the hard stuff um, because we only see the highlight reels in, in people's, you know, Instagram stories or their, you know, their posts or whatever it is, or even just their life outside. But we don't see the private stuff that they maybe struggled with for a long time. And so I think it's so important to be able to not forget about that. Yeah, that's good. Because really, the truth is a lot of people are saying if only, right? If only it was like it was before. Mm-hmm. And what's really sad is a lot of people that I've talked with, they didn't like what was before. But they'd rather go back to what was before because they like it more than right now, right? It's comparison of what's now to then. And the truth is we can't change that. We can't change what's going on, you know, for, for seniors that are graduating. You know, if only it was a different year, then I can, you know, whatever, you fill in the blank. Well, we can't change that. We're in the season we're in. And, yes, it's hard, it's difficult. But if only is only going to keep us stuck, right? We watched a movie with our kids this last week, Napoleon Dynamite. There's Uncle Rico in the, in the, in the, in the movie, right? Man, if I can just go back to 82, if, it, if only, right? If only Coach would have put me in. If, man, I knew I could have won, you know? If only, if only, if only. And he's living in the past, and it keeps him from living in the present, and it keeps him from accomplishing something great in the future. Right. And here's the problem with comparison now. Eventually, comparison now is going to lead to regret then. Because if you don't focus on the wrong part of the journey, you'll always live with if only regrets. Right. And the right part of the journey is saying, who am I going to become in? 
not where am I going to end up? Who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? Rather than saying, if only, because at some point, if only, if only, if only, is going to turn into, wow, I wish I wouldn't have focused so much on the past, but I would have done something with my life. Right. And so we have to learn to be able to do that. So you, you, you read a, a good quote. I did. I, I love uh, the a quote that I saw this last week. Before I get to that, I was thinking about Uncle Rico. I think we laugh about Uncle Rico so much and why that movie was so relatable to so many people because we all know an Uncle Rico. And I think it's interesting because we can we can spot out somebody that's Uncle Rico, but we need to pray that we don't become Rico, right? And so I look in the mirror sometimes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I'll vote anybody that you think is Rico. But I thought that was funny. One quote I saw this last week, and it's always the one of those popular. If only, um, if only um, was one of them. I'm sorry. One of them was if the grass looks greener on the other side. Um, but I read this one. It was really cool. It says if the grass looks greener on the other side, stop staring at it, stop comparing, stop complaining. Go water the grass you're standing on. That's a good one. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause that's a famous if only quote, right? Yeah. If only I had that, if only, you know, I had more money, if only I had a different whatever, yeah. like she was talking about. And this is one, my, man, if I had that grass, like, you know, my life, it would be better. Yeah. Um, but if the grass is greener, there's a reason it's greener, right? Somebody is watering it. Somebody's paying the bills. Their, their water <laughs> bill is a lot more expensive than yours because they're, they're doing that. And so yeah. we need to learn to do what we can with yeah. what we have, right? And uh, not, not be doing that. Because we don't know the price they're paying for that. And sometimes, in some cases, if you knew, you'd actually say, you know what? I actually don't want that grass. It's a little, yeah. that's not the kind I like. You know, I want yeah. to stick with my artificial grass turf here because it's better or whatever. Yeah. And so we have to get to a place where we're not comparing ourselves to others because it just robs from us, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, I read a story, a great story, um, that really illustrates this, right, when it comes to comparison. Uh, it's of a lady, an obscure woman in London, right, years ago. And uh, she went to go hear this well-known pr- professor speak and give a, give a, a talk. And, um, and so she went and listened to his presentation, and afterwards, she met with him to talk a little bit. And she complained that she, to this professor that she never had a chance to learn. So essentially, she was this if-only person, right? If only I had a chance to learn. And he says, well, what do you do? And she says, I, I, um, I peel potatoes and I uh, chop onions uh, for my sister. She runs a, a boarding house. And so I help her. And he says, well, um, where do you do this? And, and he sa- she says, um, I do it on the, the, the bottom step of the kitchen. Um, and as, as I do this, this work, right? And he says, well, what do your feet rest on? And she says, glazed bricks. And he says, um, uh, what are glazed bricks? And she says, I don't know. And he says, well, how long have you been doing this? And she says, 15 years. So you've been chopping potatoes and peeling onions for 15 years, right? And in this process, um, really, she's complaining about if only. And he says, well, um, he said, here's my card, personal card. He says, would you do, be so kind to write me a letter of what you discover about glazed bricks? So she goes home, she takes him up on the challenge, and she goes and begins to read about glazed bricks, right? She reads an article, looks in the encyclopedia, which obviously that's a whole time ago because we don't have encyclopedias. Like, I guess we do, but you know, she would Google it now. And she began to study and learn about, about uh, glazed, glazed brick, right, to see what they were. And this is what she found out, that glazed brick is, is vitrified kaolin and hydrous aluminum, which, like her, we're like, what does that mean, right? So then she goes and looks up that, and then she goes to some different places that make tile and make brick and then she reads about this process of that right and she begins to read and read and read so eventually she sends uh this professor um a, a 35 page um write-up about what she learned about glazed brick yeah and and he's he was so intrigued by this because he's that's great so um he says can i publish this in one of our journals i'll give you 250 dollars for it she says yeah sure so he published it in there and he says but by the way what was under the glazed brick and the lady says ants and he says, what are ants, right? 
So she goes home, and she begins to study and research as much as she can about ants, and eventually writes a 360-page um, write-up on, on what ants are. He likes it so much as, can I publish this as a book? And she gives him permission. And the money they make off the book, she makes off the book, she's able to travel the world and take these, these trips and do, learn what she never had before. The whole point is I love about this. The professor understood if you're an if-only person, it's not because there's no opportunities in front of you. It's because you're choosing to be an if-only person. Mm-hmm. And he just said, hey, let me challenge you. Why don't you look around at what's around you? Do something with what you have, right? Use your time to do something. I think in this COVID-19 season, right, that we're in, a lot of us have opportunities to learn something new, do something new. Or we can be the if-only people, mm-hmm. right? If only. If only it was better. If only the season was over. If only, you know, then it will be better. If only I had another job or, you know, get, get a, whatever, like she said, a new spouse. We get stuck comparing, right? Well, if I had those kids, it would be easier. If I had that job, it would be easier. And in that comparison, we get robbed from that. This woman for 15 years, she was robbed of opportunities to learn because she was living if only I had a different opportunity, right, when the opportunity was in front of her the whole whole time. So she loves this story. I told her like five times already, and <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time she's been for <laughs> I think it's a great story. It illustrates how people, you know, knew how to that would. In fact, he tells a story about that is known as the uh, as the parable of the talents, right? To illustrate how some people use life and some people. He says, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants together and he entrusted his wealth to them. So here's a man, he has his servants, he entrusts his wealth to them. So he's going he's gonna to entrust them, right? We call this stewardship in the scripture. And so he says, um, let's see what they're going to do with what I give them. And so it says, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag. Each according to his ability, then he went on his journey. So five bags, two bags, one bag according to their Ability. So he already saw something in them, right, that he was able to give them. And it said one he gave five, one he gave two, and one he gave one. I think in this story, let's just imagine that we're the bad person, right? You have two. Somebody that's going to have more than you, right? That we're always saying, man, if somebody you say had that person. We complain about what we have now, but there's other people that are wishing they had what we had. Mm-hmm. That old clunker that you're driving around, there's somebody wishing they just had an old clunker to drive around, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your job that you complain about, there's just somebody wishing they had a job, right, to complain about. Well, hopefully you don't complain about it. But you get the point, right? So there's five, two, and one. Well, it says the man who received the five bags of gold, he went at once, put his money to work, and gained five more bags of wealth. He didn't stop and compare. He didn't boast and say, look how much more I have than everybody else. He just got to work and did what he could with what he had, right? Also, the one who gained bags of gold, right? Is the third, but the man in the bag went off, um, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So the one that won, he was the if only person, right? Well, if only I had two bags, if only I had five bags, right? It's easy to invest when you have two bags or five bags. Here's the thing one bag of gold is still a lot of money. And the point of this story is God gave us something that was very, very, very valuable, right? To some, he gave a little bit more, but at some point, they, they were working. This man, because of fear, right? What can I bag of money? What can I situation? I had better, you know, uh, situations to live in. Be better. But those got to work and did it. This man, because of fear, 
the story, Jesus is hinting towards something larger, right? In a long time, that might have been many years, but maybe we could think of a lifetime, right? That after, after a lifetime, after these people have lived for a while, maybe they, they've used what's in front of them, the master returned. And at the time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Notice what the scripture doesn't say, that they settled accounts with each other. One, I gold. No, they just came, they settled it with God. And at the end of this life, we're going to settle our account with others. Often we we can others. And we have stuck comparing our kids' job to their house, um, our cars to their cars, our whatever. And he received five bags of gold and brought the other five. And he said, Master, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. Mm-hmm. So he said, take the back. Have as a gift. Life is our gift back mm-hmm. to God, right? What are we going to do with this gift? So he, he took his life and he, he doubled it, right? And the master said this, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Notice the word there, Jesus uses a few things. Wait, wait. This is the man he gave the most money to. This is the man he gave the most gold to. But he things. Team of things, even a has is nothing, right? It's a million dollars out there. A few has. Talk, give, right? I'll things because you've been faithful with a few things. Come and share in your master. I think is, is, is challenging us this journey to say, what are you going to use with what's in front of you right now? Mm-hmm. Don't compare it to everybody else. Don't get stuck in that trap because it's going to only rob from you time, rob from you joy, rob from you opportunities to do that. Mm-hmm. The story goes on and says the man that did two, he gets the same results, right? That God comes, the, the, the owner comes and says, good, right? Well done, faithful servant. But the man that only had one, it says that he went and dug the money back up and said, I knew you were a hard man and I knew that you were going to expect to, to gain more, more, you know, from this, and so I went and hid your money, and it says that um, the master was upset with him because the least you could have done was invest it in the bank and gain interest, mm-hmm. right? But because you just you wasted it, you get nothing from this. Mm-hmm. And so the point is this: let's not live in comparison where we get stuck, right? Uh, always looking around and and, and and what others have and miss what's in front of us. Yeah. You read a great article about um, regrets, right? Because if we don't take care of the if onlys, right? Yeah. They'll turn into regrets if onlys, right? Yeah. If only I would have done that. If only I would have paid attention. So, yeah, tell us about that. So, um, recently there was a study of a, a lady that basically did a study, and she works with hospice care. And um, these were basically things that she had heard, um, nine regrets that she had heard of people that were um, basically passing. And so, number one regret was, and maybe you relate to these, so really try to pay, pay attention to these because I think this is just like indicators of where we are, maybe emotionally, mentally, uh, where we are just in our hearts and some of this. So, maybe you relate to them, maybe you don't, but these are the nine, the top nine regrets that she had heard. Number one, one was that they wish they had um, been more loving to the people who mattered most. That was number one. Number two was... They wish they had been a better spouse, a parent, or a child. Number three was they wish they had not spent so much time working. 
Now remember, these are if-only regrets at the end of somebody's life saying, if only I would have done something different, mm -hmm. right? And here's the if-only. Here's the regrets that they lived with. So. Yeah. Number, uh, number four was they wish they had taken more risks. I hear that a lot. Yeah, definitely. Number five um, was they wish they had been happier and enjoyed life more. Uh, number six was they wish they had lived their dreams. Their dream. Sorry. Uh, number seven was they wish they had taken better care of themselves. Number eight was they wish they had done more for others. Number nine was they wish they had chosen more meaningful work. So those are the top nine um, that she had heard from these people that were, you know, passing. I think it's interesting when Eric talks about this story of the servants and the master. I think it's interesting that um, I'm a, a visual learner and I love to be able to kind of how do I relate this to my life. And so one of the things that I hear is when you hear the person that has the one one bag of gold and they go in and in fear instead of doing anything with it because they don't know what to do. To, to take maybe it's the risk I think that was number six of the taking risks um, they would rather just dig up a hole and put something in it and close it and I think it's interesting and we talked about this last week about you know taking risks maybe trying something new I see that as that person is maybe saying I don't want to take a risk because I'd rather be safe and what they think is safe is just putting the the item in the hole and um, I think it's interesting that if we were to actually picture ourselves our lives as those that that bag whatever it is whether it was that one bag the 10 bag or the two, or or the I'm sorry the five or the two I think it's interesting if we were to put ourselves in there so I think it's so easy for us to kind of just crawl in this COVID time just to say you know what I'm just going to check out and just kind of I'd rather be safe I'm not going to invest you know even the even the master says that he says why didn't you do something why didn't you just invest or put it in the bank at least and make a little bit off of it but instead it was just to be safe they were able to just make a hole and sometimes we put ourselves in that hole and then you know then we're constantly thinking when we talk about traps we talk about destination destination disease and this comparison trap it's easy for us to just be like well what is everybody else doing and we start comparing because we've put ourselves in that hole in some way and so I kind of think of that in that um, in that scenario but then there's also times during this that we can say you know what it's not too late we're 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 in this season that yes it sucks a lot but what are we going to do I've heard of some people that it's really challenging I've, I've been kind of like blown away that there's been people saying finally got to write a book that I've been wanting to do and I'm like wow like good for you um, they've used this as opportunity instead of limitations they've looked at the possibilities of it and then they're jumping out and saying I'm not going to get into this comparison trap I'm not going to think about um, like where I have like where I should have been or whatever but they they're going forward and they're saying you know what? I'm going to invest and a lot of what I'm seeing is they're investing in themselves because they're going to come out here better healthier stronger um, in so many ways and so I think about that in that in that story yeah. and then I think about these regrets and I say well like is there something that maybe I connect to in some ways and I think these are just these are just um, regrets that we can read and we can also propel ourselves you know what I can easily go down number seven or I can easily go down number two what can I do so that I don't live in the in that space yeah if, if the only the yeah. if only space um, yeah I, I think that's great because here's here's the truth if you haven't maybe done all that well during the season, the good news is it's not too late. The yeah. season's not over. 
jump in, start doing something with what you can now, right? One of the people I love in the, in the New Testament that helps us through seasons like this is Paul. So in Philippians, Paul says this in, in chapter 3. He says, um, focused on the goal, right? The, the, the subtitle of this section is focused on the goal. He says, I'm not saying that I have all this together, that I have made it, but I am well on my way, uh, reaching out for Christ who has wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. So Paul's saying in life, right? He's doing the best he can. He's not considered himself an expert. But he's saying, but I've got my eyes on the goal where God is, beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and I'm running and I'm not turning back. So Paul's saying, stay focused, right? In this life, right? If God has given you something, trust you with something, use this life to do something good with it, right? I think we can say it like this, that, that, that what he's trying to say is this, that, um, well, yeah. that we won't be distracted by comparing ourselves um, compare within comparison so that, um, and this is a quote that I had thought, it says, we won't be distracted by comparison if we are captivated by purpose. We have to be driven by a purpose. And if you don't know what your purpose is, you know what, we want to come alongside you and, and figure that out and pray for you in that because some people might say, I don't even know what my purpose is. But you know what, it's easy for us to be distracted in comparison. We don't know our purpose in those things. Yeah, I, I love challenging people to do new things because mm-hmm. I know in the in the trying new things, they're going to discover something about themselves that they didn't know before. Yeah. And I love pushing people towards that because when they discover what they are, it's kind of like um, – you know, Michael Jordan, the story of his life, you know, they're just pl- playing that a lot, right? Everybody wants to be Michael Jordan. But what if God didn't design you to be Michael Jordan, but designed you to be Mother Teresa, right? And you're trying to play basketball, and God is saying, if you would only do this, you'd be so much happier. Mm-hmm. Why don't you be the Michael Jordan of charity, right? Like what Mother Teresa was. And, and God is looking for people to say, maybe there's an element, in the, a place in this world that you would best if you would mm-hmm. just search for me and look and help, right? And I think Paul was captivated by purpose, so he didn't have time to compare. He was cheering others on. He was helping others. He was giving his, giving his life to help yeah. others. And I think the one thing that really helps out in that is that we have to have people in our lives that are cheerleaders. We have to be able to um, have people that are, are kind of just saying, hey, what's next? You know, sometimes, you know, even us, we have people in our lives that can ask us hard questions. If they see that we're kind of in a funk, like, what's really going on? Um, how are you doing? Hey, what, sh- what they know what purpose we want because maybe we've expressed that. Maybe that's the problem here. We have not expressed what our purpose is, what we really desire, what is our um, our goals in some ways, maybe a passion that God has given us, um, and we haven't been able to express that. Well, you know, if you haven't expressed it, it's really hard for people to cheer you on if they've never don't even know about it. And we need to be able to be great communicators in that way to be able to tell the people that we really love and trust to say, you know what, this is a passion of mine. And then we need to be the one here. Um, cheerers that are in the stands basically saying hey do it you got it one of the quotes i saw this last week that is just amazing and i love this especially women this is a great one it says another woman doing what you are doing is not your competition i'm going to repeat that another woman doing what you are doing is not your competition she's your sis she is our sister support her encourage her believe in her i think that's so important because women it is easy for us as as individuals as women for us to look around to be on social media and all we're doing is thinking about well, what she's got what she's got what she's got we don't know what she's dealing with how she's going what she's doing to get there um, and it's not pretty sometimes and we think it is um, um, but we have to remember that women other women are not our competition we need to encourage each other we need to um, fight for each other we need to have each other's backs 
Uh, we need to have girl gangs, you know, just to be able to encourage each other. And again, she is our sister. Support her, encourage her, believe in her. Text somebody, talk to them, say, how are you doing, girl? Uh, what's going on? Instead of it being a gossip channel uh, conversation, really just encourage people, hey, you're going to have an amazing day. You got this. I'm praying for you. We need to be able to have people that are just constantly cheering because you know what? We need people. And when we say, when you're at the place where I don't need people, then you're, it's, it's, gonna, it's not going to turn out well. We need people around us. Yeah, that's so good. And guys, women aren't our competition either. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> other guys do what you're doing are not our competition, right? Um, I think it's important we celebrate others that we, uh, we lift them up, right? We need cheerleaders. You know, at the beginning of this, uh, of this uh, message, I, I read the quote from, from uh, Dick Falk. They said, um, you know, money and relationships, right? Those are the things, and only one of those makes us really wealthy. How do you have those kind of wealth relationships? Well, here's the key. You be for the other people but you want them to be for you, right? Um, I, I remember reading a story about John Wooden. He's the most winningest coach of all time, right? So amazing coach. One of the things he would teach his players is he would say, guys, you have to support each other, encourage each other, cheer each other on, right? So he says, so if somebody passes the ball to you and you score a point, make sure after you score that point, as you're running back down to the other side of the, of the, the court, that you point to that person and say, yeah, you did that, right? So you scored the point, but they set you up. And so you celebrate that. And one of the players says, well, coach, what if I score the point and I point to the guy, but he's not looking. And the coach said, they'll always be looking, right? Because they know that they did something. And we're, when we're celebrating others, when we're on a team and we're cheering others on, um, it, it actually builds morale, right? It helps us to be better. Yeah. And in life, all of us want those people that encourage us, right? I don't know about you. If you have a friend that, that always encourages you, encouraging you and always speaking life, you don't ignore those people. You don't, you don't push them away. You actually want more of that, right? Yeah. You desire that. So why don't we be that people yeah. for others, right? Can you imagine what this week would look like mm -hmm. if instead of comparing and saying, if only, if only, if only, yeah. and living with regrets, we'd say, why don't we celebrate others, right? Mm -hmm. um, in fact, that is our challenge this week, to celebrate others, mm -hmm. right? Be for them what you want the others to be for you, right? right? Celebrate others. Yeah. Be a cheerleader. Be somebody that, that reaches out and says, hey, I noticed this, right? Yeah. yeah. I think that was probably the most fulfilling as, as being in high school sports. I think the most fulfilling um, parts of being in sports was not necessarily that, you know, you, you became a captain or because any of those things. I think the biggest part was that we were doing um, life together. We were doing sports together, but it was always so sweet. Those sweet, you know, hits, or spikes, whatever. I was a volleyball player. So we, those sweet spikes were not sweet without an amazing setup. Um, when I had a good set, man, I did not go down and be like, yep, that's all me. Like I always got down and be like, girl, that was an amazing set. I love those moments. Why? Because it kept us connected. It made us feel like a team. And that's the thing is like sometimes we forget that, that, you know, we have people around us that are there to encourage, support us, set us up. Eric was a soccer player for, for, for that um, ball to just be put in the right place at the right time for, for him to do a butterfly kick right into that goal. It just takes the right timing. It takes the right placement of it all, but it keeps us united when it's, when we're doing it together. Yeah, it's so true. And for me, I was a center midfield, and so it was my job to set up those people, right? Yeah. I still think of that as my job now as a person. How can I set up others? How can I celebrate others? How can I help them become who they're supposed to become? Um, at the end of this life, people who live that way typically are celebrated mm -hmm. because they're not living to get. They're living to give. And I think the way we get out of the land of if only is, we, we one, we're thankful for what we do have and we do something we have, but we just celebrate others. We, we don't let that become a, 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 a point of division, right? 
well, you have more than I have, so I'm not going to be kind to you. No, love them. And in our, in our culture right now, there are two sides, right, in everything that we're so polarized when it comes to politics, right? Why don't we learn to be able to be celebrate, to, to celebrate others despite what they believe what, that we don't believe in politics, right? In the church, don't let that bleed in the church. We can't become a divided church. We love others no matter what they believe politically, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to love them and say, you, you're a person, and even though I don't agree with what you're, you know, the party you're with uh, uh, believes, I still love you as a person, and I still want you to succeed as a person. I don't want to bring hurt to you. I don't want to bring harm to anybody else. I'm going to be the person that says I want you to succeed in life. You know, for us as a church, that's our heart, that we would see others succeed. Because the truth is, you don't, you don't get higher by pulling people down. You get higher by lifting people up. Because mm-hmm. the more you lift up, the higher you'll rise in life because you're helping others to succeed. And at some point in your life, you'll be rewarded for that, right? Mm-hmm. Just like the, the parable of the talent. Like, you do what you can with what you have. God sees it, and he says, because of your faithfulness, you will find happiness. You'll find the things you're always looking for because it's who you're becoming in the journey, not just where you're ending up on this. So, yeah. Any last last words? No, I think we said it all. All right. So our challenge, man, celebrate others. This week, would you celebrate others? You see somebody that has something you want, instead of complaining and begrudging it, one pastor told me, don't ever begrudge what God does for others. Because when you do, you're sending God a message that you don't want what they have. I tell my kids the same things. When your, sibling, when your sisters or brother, they get something you want, don't get mad that you don't have it. Celebrate it because at some point in your life, you're going to get the same thing, maybe something better, when you learn to celebrate what others have. Because when you don't, you're sending a message to everybody. I really don't want that either. And that's not the message we're trying to send because that's not the truth because we do want it. But envy and jealousy, comparison will only steal from us. It will never help us. So celebrate others, right? Celebrate, 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 celebrate. You see people, lift them up, encourage them. Um, give a shout out where you can, right? Give a phone call, text message. Just celebrate. Every single day when comparison starts creeping in, you start thinking if only. No, no. Find somebody you can you can go and say something that they're doing good, right? Find an organization in our city that's doing good and go support them. Mm-hmm. Find some ways to say, how can I encourage others? How can I be a cheerleader? How can I be a support to those who are doing something with their lives? During this season, what is a story that you want to be told of you, right? And if you're not careful, the story you'll, you'll be said is regret, right? If only. But if you are wise and, and you, you, the story you'll be told is, man, I'm so glad that I did that, right? I'm so glad that I stepped out. I'm not going to use comparison or phonies. I'm going to say, God, you, you use me to do what you want me to accomplish, all right? Awesome. As we end our end, end this part of the service, we always give an opportunity for those that are watching. Uh, maybe you're on, the, on this life, this journey of life, right? You've got to a place where you're looking for answers. There's a good chance you're watching today because you're looking for something, right? For some of you that are watching, you want to be encouraged, you want to be challenged. But some of you, you're looking for an opportunity to have a relationship with God. And what we believe as a Christian church is that God has good plans for your life, right? And he invites you in. So 2,000 years ago when Jesus came to earth, he looked for some, some people and he said, would you come and follow me? I'll make you fishers of men, right? Come and follow me. I'm going to show you what, what the kingdom of heaven is about. And he invited him on this journey to follow God still makes the same invitation to all of us today. He says, would you come and follow me? See, being a Jesus follower, a Christian, means that we're following Jesus' teachings. We're following the example he set, and we just begin to follow him. Some of you that are watching, you haven't been following his teachings. You haven't been following his example. You've been doing your own thing, right? And today's the day where maybe you're ready for this. You would say, God, I want to follow you. I say yes to the invitation. And if you're watching today and you would like to say yes to the invitation, I want to lead you in a prayer, right? Because the Bible says that if we will confess, right, our wrongdoings, if we'll confess our sins, if we'll confess our, we'll realize where we're at and say, God, we need your help. He responds to that humility and he embraces us and leads us into this journey of following him. 
So if you're watching today and you want to start this journey with God, uh, would you pray this prayer with me? All right? Simple prayer of invitation for relationships saying, God, I want, I want to know you. I put my trust in you today. So pray this prayer with me. Say this. Say, Father God, today I acknowledge and I admit that I need your help with this life. Forgive me of my mistakes, of my past, of my comparison, of my envy and jealousy of others. Today, I invite you into my life. Help me to celebrate others. Help me to use what you've given me to accomplish the purposes that you made me for. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on that cross, to live an example for us, allowing him to rise again. I put my trust in you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Hey, if you pray that prayer, we celebrate with you. All heaven celebrates. Um, let us know you pray that prayer by filling out the connection card. There's a box of checks saying I made a decision today. I'll send you an email or I'll send you a follow-up uh, resource, give you some free resources to help you on this journey. Let us know you watch that. We love to celebrate with you, all right, on this journey, and uh, we love to partner with you and help you um, as you move forward.